Hey, it's great to see you. My name is Jeff Hughes, and I serve as the Connections Pastor here. And, you know, I get asked a lot, what does that actually mean? So if you find out, let me know. All right, that'd be, that'd be great. Sometimes I find myself connecting a vacuum to carpet. Sometimes I connect the trash uh, to the dumpster. And sometimes I connect people to the church. And that's exactly what, uh, what I love, love doing. Now, can I just say I love my job. I love serving as Connections Pastor here at UC. Uh, get an opportunity to help people better connect with the Lord and better connect with one another and also our city and the world. And there's just nothing in the world that I would, would rather be doing. It's a great, great thing. That said, that's exactly what I hope in this next few minutes will happen. I hope for every one of us, I hope that you will better connect with God because you're here. That, that's actually a prayer I've been praying for you. That's a hope of, of this message and through this whole morning is that everyone who's here would better connect with God and better connect with this church because you were here. And so that's where we're going. That's what, what my hope is for our time. This is week nine of our series called This I Believe. Of course, this is going along with the book Disciple. It's a little workbook. We still have some of those available. So if you lost yours, don't have one, need another, have a friend that started coming to your small group or somebody who would benefit from that, stop by the Welcome Center. They're two bucks. Just grab one. We would love to help serve you in that way. It's a great book by Eric Fish. We're reading through this, talking in our small groups, and all of our messages are designed to go with each chapter. And this week, gathering with other disciples. So bonus points for you already because you're here. Awesome. You're in the room. Well, this week, of course, our chapter is gathering with other disciples. And I want to invite you to go ahead and make your way to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Now, I'll give you a minute there because perhaps you have not been in Ecclesiastes recently. You might need to knock the dust off of it a little bit uh, in your mobile device or your Bible. Let me tell you a few things here. You know, each week in this series, we've been beginning with the Apostles' Creed. And the Apostles' Creed is this this foundational statement of the Christian faith. You know, I was doing some more research on this in the last few weeks, and it dates back, the earliest forms of this date back to 140 AD. I mean, this thing is historic. It is an ancient creed of the Christian faith. There's not a place in the Bible where I could say, open your Bible to this place and you'll see the Apostles' Creed. It's not in there. It's not a passage of Scripture, but rather it's statements that are foundational to our Christian beliefs. And, you know, many of us or many have asked us about the word Catholic that's been used in the Apostles' Creed. And we'll see that in just a moment. And so I just want to provide this answer to you that I've provided through text and phone calls and through coffee and lunch conversations with people, uh, this idea. You know, this is not the Roman Catholic Church when you see the phrase Catholic used in this creed, but instead it is the church, the church of Christ, the body of Christ, the universal fellowship. It's us when you see this together. So don't hear Catholic in another way there. Let me invite you to stand as we unite our voices in this ancient historic creed of the Christian faith. And then we'll, we'll also listen to the words of Ecclesiastes 4. Here's the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended to the dead. 
On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And Ecclesiastes chapter 4, beginning with verse 7. I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who was all alone, without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so meaningless and depressing. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. You may be seated. In the book of Ecclesiastes, we see the reflection of an old man looking back on his life. He's examining the good days. He's examining the challenges, the trials. And if you will, he's also saying, you know, if I had it all to do over again, I would do this. Now, you don't need to show your hands in the room here this morning, but perhaps you have something in your life that is a, if I had it all to do over again, I would do this. And that's what we just read, what we just saw from Solomon. And as he reflects, he discovers that he had pursued many things, pursued many, many things that were without significance or true meaning. You know, maybe this sounds familiar to you. Knowing he was approaching the end of his life, the author sought to pass along the wisdom of his journey to other listeners and readers. And friends, we can find great wisdom today from Solomon in this book of Ecclesiastes about how we can escape this vortex of a meaningless existence and instead make our lives matter, make our lives count for something. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to the end of my life and look back and wonder if, if only I had invested in in that relationship in a more strategic and intentional way. If only I had taught this to my kids. If only I had dot, dot, dot. I would imagine that's true all across the room here this morning, that you don't want to get to the end of life and look back and have these regrets about how you are living your life. And I think we can find true wisdom here from Solomon. Let me share something that I know for a fact because of my role as Connections Pastor here at Union Chapel. You know, almost weekly, I've seen people who have both experienced connection in the church and said, thank you so much for how often you encourage us to get in groups and serve and and be here regularly and connect with one another, both inside the church and outside the walls of the church. Thank you. That changed my life when I took that seriously. I had never been in a place before where someone encouraged that and then provided opportunities to do that as well. And then on the other side, I have conversations with people regularly who have missed 
this opportunity because they have neglected all of the appeals, all of the opportunities to live outside of themselves, whether that's serving and volunteering or, or joining or leading a small group or finding a place in our city that needs extra care and support and diving in there because you're living outside your own self. You know, the people who have neglected this, when they talk with me, it often takes a turn and it says this, I really wish we had listened before now. Because typically they're describing a condition, a state of their life where they need the support that they know the church and the body of Christ provides to people in their greatest need. My hope today is that we will absorb some of the wisdom of Solomon today from the book of Ecclesiastes. You know, he talks about a life without connection, and he also makes some strong parallels to a life that is connected. And so today, I hope we can evaluate that and and we can take a step of faith today to be more connected. If you're following along with the sermon notes and the Union Chapel mobile app, which you can do, you can see those and you can actually send them to yourself if you write extra notes. It's a great thing. I want you to see the first thing a life without connection brings is isolation. Isolation. In fact, Solomon tells us that it's meaningless. It's meaningless to live a life of isolation. We see in Ecclesiastes 4, 7, and 8 these words. He says, I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man or a woman who is all alone without a child or a brother. There's a gentleman who you've probably never heard his name. And his name is Lyle Schaller. Lyle passed away back in 2015, but he was a leading church consultant. He wrote lots of books. He spoke and traveled all across the country for many, many decades. And he was quoted in the book, The Connecting Church, by our friend Randy Frazee. And Lyle said this, he said, rising from the debris of our lost values is the new value on the individual. The me generation has given way to the me world. The question is, how will the church respond? The ultimate we organization, how will they adjust? You know, Lyle hit that nail right on the head. It was an important question. In a me-centered culture, how will the church respond? You see, the church is not about me. I hope that's not a newsflash to you, but we don't exist for any individual, but we exist collectively as a we. We are the church. We are the body of Christ and we gather together to give God glory and worship, to sing praise to his name and then to leave these walls to go out and make a difference. So how have we adjusted? Well, some of us better than others, but the challenge is to flip that M upside down from a me to a we. So let me just challenge you. If you walked in here today with you alone or with your family, And you have viewed everything that goes on here at Union Chapel from a, I'm going to go and consume, and then I'm going to go and leave and do my own thing. You've missed the whole point. You've missed the whole point. This is about we. This is about us. 
This is about God setting a path for us and us going in that direction together. Not isolated, not alone, not disconnected, but together. You see, our culture of individualism, it does all it can in its power to reject meaningful relationships and meaningful connection with one another. And friends, now more than ever, hear me in this, we need each other. And a life without connection to others in the body of Christ is a life of isolation and disconnection. There was a study published in the Washington Post, and this was a few years ago. In fact, it was pre-COVID, and so this has even gotten stronger now in our current world. It was titled, Social Isolation Growing in the United States. The article indicated that Americans are far more socially isolated today than they were two decades ago. And a sharply growing number of people say they have no one with whom they can confide. So you got a strong number of people saying, I've got no one to talk to who are going through life, clocking in, clocking out. They're going to work. They're not talking to anybody. Maybe they're going to church. Maybe not. Maybe they're involved in things in the community. Maybe not. But they're going through life and they feel like there's no one that they can share their life with. So on one hand, that's a tragedy. On the other hand, it's an opportunity for the church It's an opportunity for the church to lean into these relationships with people who we see, people in our workplace, people at the grocery store, people on our kids' sports teams, to connect with them and ask them if they go to church anywhere or if they found a meaningful connection in a place where they can receive biblical instruction. It's important. We've got an opportunity. One out of four Americans say they don't have anyone who they can discuss personal troubles One out of four. That means like, look at your row, find four people. There's one of you who is feeling totally isolated and alone right now. A large number of Americans are living in social isolation and connection, which was once seen as an integral part of life. I mean, we sat around the kitchen table together. We ate meals together. We would do things together. And this is not just a church element. It's also a cultural element of disconnect. We go in our driveways. We open our garage. We pull in. We shut the garage behind us so we don't have to talk to our neighbor. We build really tall fences so we don't see each other or meet one another. Go in, shut the door. See you later. And it's an element of connection that is so, so missing. It's shrinking and non-existent. And this isolation that many are facing is extreme. I mean, I just mentioned right there in your row, you've got four people. One of you feels like there's nobody in the world that they can talk to. That's serious. That is serious. And with that isolation comes things like deepening uh, depression and anxiety as we become more and more disconnected from one another. And along with that depression in many lives, comes this, it comes substance abuse or spouse or child abuse or suicidal thoughts. And so we've got this disconnect that not only makes us not who God made us to be, but it also affects us to the extreme core of who we are as people, disconnected from one another, not able to share our lives with anyone. Friends, if close 
social relationships, support people in the same way that beams are holding up this building, this building is being held up by one beam. How safe would it be for us to be sitting right where we are if that were true? But it's true in many of our lives. It's not good. The natural reaction to a lack of connection is this. It's to retreat even further. To go, well, I haven't connected and I feel bad about it, so I'm just going to retreat even further into meaningless, superficial conversations with limited personal contact with others. Why do we do this? To protect ourselves. To protect ourselves against further pain to protect ourselves from the emotions of being vulnerable and saying, here I am, I don't have it all together, but I wanna journey with a group of people together seeking after what God wants for us. The commands of God are clear. We have to connect with one another or we will die. We have to connect with one another because that's how we were made. We are the church. And so many times we go through life alone and isolated. And friends, right here in this room, we have an opportunity to better connect with one another. Not only in this gathering, but in our small groups and in our conversations with one another. Are you living a life of connection? When's the last time you saw a warning light on the dash of your car? You know, the oil change light or one that's kind of become new to me, the the tire pressure monitoring system, which I didn't know what that was. So I was like, hey, Google, what's what's that? And it shows up. Apparently it monitors the tires. The fuel gauge, the oil change. When's the last time you saw one of those gauges in your vehicle and it was speaking to you? It happens all the time. And, And here's the reality. If you ignore that dash light, your car is going to shut down. It's going to run out of gas. The engine is going to blow up and overheat, and you're going to have trouble. A flat tire broken down in some way. These lights in our vehicles, they serve a critical purpose for us. And and would you agree with me that if neglected, you're going to end up broken down? I think that's right. Hear me on this. Loneliness. Loneliness is a warning light on the dashboard of your life that confirms that you are running low on your primary fuel, which is connection. Get that, church, loneliness. It is a warning light on the dashboard of your life that indicates you are running low on the primary fuel that runs your life, which is connection to one another. All across this room, all across our church, I would imagine there are some warning lights that are going off on the dashboard of our lives, indicating that we need to make a change. Again, what happens in a vehicle? It'll shut down. I know a friend, he blew up his engine because he never changed the oil. Many of us know people, don't nudge your spouse right now, who've run out of gas on the side of the road. We can't ignore the warning lights in our life. They are important. Here's the second thing. A life without connection will bring exhaustion. Boy, this just keeps getting better. We've got isolation and now exhaustion. Boy, just just add to the list, right? I'm gonna help you, don't worry. 
Solomon says that the isolation leads to exhaustion. In verse 8, he continues this way in the NIV. He says, there was no end to his toil. No end to his toil. Now, yesterday, I was doing some work on our farm, and I'm so glad that there was an end to my toil. I'm so glad that I, I could stop that work to go do some other work, but I could stop that work. And, and, and exhaustion comes when there's no end to our toil. We're just laboring, we're just going, we're alone and exhausted. In the book, Rethinking the Church by James Emery White, he says this, the heart of Christian development has long been a relationship between someone who has something to learn and someone who has something to share. Now, the quote goes on, I'm going to call a timeout because I can do that, and I'm going to talk about that for a minute. I love this idea. It's why volunteering in the church is so important. Because there, there's this idea that Christian development is about a person who has something to learn, and a person over here has something to share. So when I think about our kids' classrooms that are going on right now, there's an adult who has, has something to share and there's a child who has something to learn and they are hungry. They are hungry for the word of God, for instruction, for care, for guidance about how to get along with their friends and how to navigate the challenges of life. And right here in this room and all across our campus, here in this church, we have people who have the ability to give that, to pass that on. It's why I love the opportunity that we can take adults who love Jesus and train up children in the ways for them to follow the Lord. Aren't you happy about that? I know I am. Four, five, six, our fourth, fifth, and sixth grade ministry is just a very formable time in the lives of young people. It's critical. It is essential. But what happens in there is we have leaders who shoot pool and then they, on a pool table, and then they talk with students about their life. They sit around tables and they talk about the Bible together. You've got someone who has been there and someone who is about to go through it or who is going through it. And so I love this idea that Christian development has long been about a relationship between someone who has something to learn and between someone who has something to share. I want to challenge you with one more step. You have something to share. Where are you sharing it? Or are you hiding it and keeping it to yourself? Because your Christian development and the Christian development of others is, ab is, is about not holding in those things that God has given us. So let's continue with this quote. He says, in the context of such a relationship, a synergy develops that accelerates and enhances growth. Synergy is the energy or the force that is generated through working together. So here's an illustration. There are two horses together that are hooked together. They can pull 9,000 pounds behind them. But if you were to add two more horses and have a team of four, you would imagine that that number would just double, right? But it doesn't. When you go from two horses that can pull 9,000 pounds to four horses, they can pull 30,000 pounds. Why? Because teamwork, because working together. So let me ask you, do you have a team in your life? 
Do you have a team that supports you, that encourages you, that can pull the weight, if you will, in your life? Or are you just pulling all you can by yourself because you can pull a lot more without being exhausted when you have a team? It's why I'm so thankful for my men's small group. We share life with one another, and it's an opportunity to to pull each other along towards chasing after what Jesus has for our lives and for our families And it's an important thing. Here's the third thing. A life without connection brings frustration. So we've got isolation, exhaustion, and frustration. Did I mention I am going to help you in just a moment? There was no end to his toil. The great author C.S. Lewis, some of you are maybe fans of C.S. Lewis, he, he called the inconsolable longing something that every person has within them. An inconsolable longing. Lewis wrote a profound statement in, I believe, his best book, Mere Christianity. And he said this, Our lifelong nostalgia, our longing to be reunited with something in the universe from which we now feel cut off, to be on the inside of some door from which we have always seen from the outside, is no more neurotic fantasy than the truest index of the real situation. Now, Lewis has a, has a desire to be real wordy, and you can lose stuff there. That's the, my, my challenge with some of his reading. So let me break that down for you and describe what C.S. Lewis, the great author, just said to us. There's a longing inside every human being. There is a longing inside every human being that cannot be satisfied by work, by drugs, by things, by sports, by sex, by anything in the world. And it will only end in frustration. So many people today feel like they're on the outside of the door, desperately wondering, what does it look like in the room? What does it look like in there, in the inside of the door? Friends, the thing that brings an end to frustration and the hopelessness that we all have and despair is a connection with Jesus Christ and a connection with people who follow him. That is the connection we all desire. That is the the inconsolable longing of every human being to be connected with our creator and connected with people who follow him. But so many times what we do is we stand on the outside of that room We stand on the other side of that door, afraid to grab the handle and open it for what we might find out. But what you'll find out is that there are loving, caring people who all bring baggage, who all bring their past hurts, failures, and sins, who welcome one another, who welcome one another in the way that God welcomes all of us. So to the man or the woman in the room today who feels isolated, exhausted, and frustrated, open the door. Open the door and find that you will be met with people who will lovingly welcome and accept you just as you are and connect with you in a meaningful way. There are three things that we see from Ecclesiastes that godly and meaningful connection will bring into our lives. And so let me share these with you. The first is production, production. Verse nine says two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If you ask a a married couple 
you'll, who has seen a Christian counselor, you'll, you'll tell them or they'll tell you that there's a benefit in this wisdom. A married couple will tell you the benefit of a Christian counselor. An athlete will tell you the importance of a trainer, of a coach speaking into their life. A business person will tell you the power of a team chasing after a goal together as one that is united. In life, we all need support. We all need support. And when we find it, it makes all the difference in the world. And when we're missing it, we know it, don't we? Not only do we know it, the people around us often know it as well. In Ecclesiastes 4.9, hear these words again. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. When two human souls combine their strength, their creativity, their, their talents, their ambition after a goal, after a purpose, synergy, this intangible chemistry of working together is present in that relationship. And through this, you most often find a greater sense of production. The second thing that godly and meaningful connection brings is provision. Provision. Verse 10 says, if one falls down, the friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls. Now, time out there for a minute. Uh, anybody ever watch A-Team growing up? Yeah. When I hear this verse, I can't help but hear that. Pity the fool. Pity the fool. Pity the man who falls and has no one to help pick him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? When spiritual, physical, and emotional needs arise, the loner, and I don't say that to be demeaning in any way, but the person who is disconnected experiences isolation, frustration, and exhaustion. But the man who has a friend experiences provision has those who will provide for him, provide encouragement, provide conversation, provide physical labor and support sometimes. About eight of our Union Chapel staff members several years ago decided to do the Warrior Dash. Anybody heard of the Warrior Dash? You've heard of this before, some of you? Well, it's a mud run. And so it's a 5K mud run that has all these different elements I mean, there's barbed wire, you're going under and over. There's rivers you're jumping over, creeks and streams. There's fire different places. I had hair before we did it. There's, there's all kinds of apparatus. So we're going along on this journey and we realize that something must be wrong or something's slowing the group up. And, and we're kind of stalled a little bit. There's a good huddle of people. We look, we're trying to see what's going on. Like, you know, construction zone in Indiana, you know, doing one of these, trying to figure out what's happening. And, and then we start to move a little bit. And we realize that the next obstacle is a 15 foot tall climbing wall. And what had happened is in climbing this wall, a woman got to the very top of it and she slipped her grip and she fell 15 feet from the top of this and she shattered her foot. You, can you feel that? Yeah. When we went by, we saw that her foot was the wrong direction. It wasn't supposed to go that way. We paused and we prayed for her and there was medical support there for her, an ambulance and all of that and went around and just kept going. But I will never forget that moment. It's one of those things that you kind of just mentally have in your mind. And, and when I hear this verse in Ecclesiastes, this is what comes to mind. Pity the person who falls 
and has no one to help them. Because while this race had people, medical support, technicians who could help provide care to her, what if she was all alone? What if she was all alone and she fell 15 feet and shattered her foot? That would be a bad situation. She'd be in a tough spot, wouldn't she? Maybe you're in this room right now and the situation for you is not that you've fallen 15 feet off of a wet climbing wall in the woods, but there's something totally different in your life where you have fallen. Maybe for you, you are all alone. You've fallen off the climbing wall, so there is. And in your life, you could describe, you could say the the exact setting, you could describe your story. And I would say, you need someone to help lift you up. Let me be that person. Let me introduce you to some people who will help support you out of that spot. I know that woman that day during the warrior dash was very happy that there were trained professionals there to help her. In your life, when you've been in a tough spot, when you've fallen, when you're hurting, Are you alone? Do you have a team of people that run to you and provide care and support when you're hurt, when you're broken? You can. Now, if you're in that spot right now, it would have been a lot better if six months ago or a year ago, if you had taken that step to reach out and connect with other people. But you know what? The spot you're in right now there will be other spots down the road that you're gonna need help. So why not today in this moment realize I need to be vulnerable. I need to connect with others in a meaningful way where I can share my life. I have something to give. I have something to receive. I'm gonna share my life with others. Whether if you're laying on the ground in a tough spot now or if you're at the top of the climbing wall, so to speak. God wants you to have meaningful connection. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Here's the third and final thing that godly and meaningful connection brings. It's protection. It brings protection. Verse 12 again, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. There is protection in the partnered life. When you're isolated and alone, you are vulnerable. When you have a team of people, you are protected. Listen, when sin and Satan and self-defeating thoughts enter into our minds, a friend can be a shield to protect you in that moment. A friend can stand in the way of those darts that the devil is shooting, can remind the devil that you are not his and can turn and remind you of what God has done to help you, to provide for you and to protect you. We all need somebody to stand in the way of the darts, don't we? We all need someone who will throw their life in between the devil's darts, the attacks that he has upon us, who will look us in the eye and tell us truth about what God says who we are. Do you have that person? If not, you should. And we want to help you do that. I love the movie Gladiator. Any Gladiator fans in the room? In the battle scene in the Colosseum, there's, there's this character, and if you're not familiar with it, uh, it's Maximus, played by Russell Crowe, right? So you can kind of picture this. It's a gladiator scene. There's going to be this, this epic fight. And Russell Crowe stands there. He's rallying the troops, and he says this. He says, whatever comes out of these gates, we've got a better chance of survival if we work together. He says this, 
We stay together. We survive. Man, that gets me fired up. We stay together. We survive. Going through life alone will end up in a bad spot. But staying together, sticking together, realizing that we are the church will allow us an opportunity to have godly and meaningful connections with God's people. And it'll make a difference in our lives. Today, I've talked about the unconnected life, which brings isolation, exhaustion, and frustration. And the connected life that has meaningful connection, bringing production, provision, and protection. So how about you? Do you have an authentic, healthy, God-centered relationship with a group of people? Who are your people? Who are your people? Chances are high that you probably have a next step to take because of hearing this. Maybe all across the room a moment ago, there were warning lights on the dashboard of lives that were just going crazy. Get connected, get connected. Use your talents and skills that I've given you. I'm a big fan in providing next steps for people. I've done this for years. In conversations, people will share with me where they are and and I'll help them identify what a next step ought to be for them. Well, it sounds like your next step might be this. So I wanna conclude this message in just a few minutes right here by giving you some practical next steps of connection. Now listen, for some of you across this room, all of these, you're gonna have all of them done. And so what I would encourage you to do is pray for your friends across the room who might need to take one of these steps. So here's the first one. The first step of connection, just super, super practical, is to surrender to Jesus Christ. Surrender your life to Jesus. Realize that God sent his son Jesus into an imperfect world. He knows we're sinners. He knows we mess up. But Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Now, if that was the end of Romans 6.23, that would be bad news. But it goes on and says, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Next month, I will celebrate 33 years of walking with Jesus. And you know what? Maybe today is the date for you that will mark your anniversary future of saying, I surrendered to Jesus on that day. Maybe for you, that's the step you need to take to say, Jesus, I surrender. It's the biggest and most important step of connection any person could ever have. Here's the second thought. Maybe you need to join a small group. We have over 50 small groups going on here at Union Chapel, and there's many more that are just happening in families and different social circles and businesses. And I would love to help you plug into a small group. If you've never been in one or it's been a while, there is no condemnation. There is no judgment. If you've never been in a group, but you've been in the church for 20 years, now's the time. Now's the time. Let me tell you quickly how you can do that. Go to unionchapel.com. At the top, you'll see no grow and go. It's called our UC3. Click on the grow tab and you'll see a small group link. Right there, you can see all 50 of our groups, where they meet, when they meet, find one that works for you, reach out, click there, you'll get connected. Someone will reach out to you. It's simple. It's easy. Our goal has been to remove all the barriers to help you in any way we can. If you want to start a group, you can do the same thing. That'll lead you to a link where we'll chat and set you up for a place here at the church or wherever to start a group. Here's the third thing. 
connect with others through serving. And I know I've talked about this a little bit in and out of this message, but I truly believe that every one of us has gifts and talents and abilities that we have inside us. And I believe here in the church, there's opportunities to to put those to good use. Let me take a minute and tell you about our philosophy of volunteering. Here it is. We take as a staff all of the needs, all of the things, things that need done in kids ministry, in 456, in 180, production, worship, all of the things. And we hold them open-handed just like this. And we say, God, you see all the things that need to happen. Bring us the people who are gifted and have the talents and will say yes to find the perfect fit for these roles, to teach children, to lead worship, to drive vans, all of those things. Because we don't want to be a church that grabs you by the ear and guilts you into doing something that you were not gifted and called and talented to do, right? That never ends up well on our part or yours. And you know what? Can I let you in on a little secret? While there are times where we have to bring a need before you, like this week I heard that our, particularly we have a large first and second grade class right now. Whatever year that was, well done, parents. First and second grade class, way to go. Um, So we bring needs in front of you guys like that to say, hey, this is a growing group who need people, uh, but we don't want to grab you by the ear and pull you along. We say, God, we trust you. And here's the secret. He hasn't let us down yet. He hasn't let us down yet. Because we believe you are a mature adult. And if you're following Jesus, you've surrendered your life to him, we believe that you will use your gifts and talents to make a difference. And so when you hear about needs or when you look and say, you know what, I haven't served in a while or I'm not serving, let me find a spot that fits who I am. Whether if it's teaching a class or making coffee or cleaning a floor or whatever it may be, we will help you. Here's the next to last thing. In two weeks, you heard Spencer say, we're having baptisms right here. This year, we've baptized over 200 people. Can we celebrate that for a minute? Man, that's awesome. That's exciting. But you know what? Right now, in this moment, it's not about all the 200 people that have been baptized. It's about the one man and the one woman who are hearing this right now who you know your next step in two weeks is to go public with water baptism right here. We want to help you. We want to help you take that step. There's a class next week. You can be a part of that. You can learn about baptism. Get plugged in. It's a great way to connect with the church. And here's the last thing. Attend the Discover class in three weeks. This is a one-hour class, a gathering over coffee, where we process all the different groups and places and opportunities for you to better connect. We talk about the history, the mission, the vision that drives us as a church. And no matter if you're brand new to Union Chapel or you've been here 20 or 30 years, if you've never sat and had a cup of coffee with me to talk about this, we want you to attend Discover in three weeks. So I've given you five practical steps right there. And I believe there's probably a next step for every single person all across this room. My question is this, do you trust Jesus enough to say, you've identified the step in my mind, I wanna take it. Do you trust him enough to take that step of faith to do whatever he's calling you to do? It may be challenging. You may be in a spot where you've gotta be vulnerable a little bit and you haven't done that in a while. God will honor your risk your faith risk of saying yes and your life will forever be changed because of it.
Well, friends, let's bow for a word of prayer and allow God to speak clearly to us. Jesus, thank you for this time. Lord, thank you that we can open your word and we can look from Solomon and we can gain some wisdom about how to live our lives. Lord, thank you that you designed us for meaningful and authentic connection with one another. For those who hear this prayer today in the room and online who know that they're living a disconnected life, they're not gathering with disciples, they're they're not living the life you've called us to, show them the step they need to take today. Help them to be free of, of isolation, exhaustion, and frustration. Lord, help us to rally our lives around godly and meaningful connection today to know that that brings production, provision, and protection to our lives. Guide us today. Help each one to take the step they need to take. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, friends, as we sing this closing song, the kneeling rail for prayer is open. Perhaps you want to come and just kneel down and just say, I surrender to you. I surrender, God. I don't know the next step I need to take, or you've identified it. Spend some time in prayer during this song, and let's stand and sing.